President Trump appears to proclaim the virtues of shooting Lysol straight into your veins to stop coronavirus. But while the mainstream media criticize him for it, they do the best they can to sanitize their own narrative on everything from travel bans to workplace sexual assault. Then, North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un and presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden compete to see which would-be world leader can seem the least lively. CNN humiliates itself, again, and crime spikes in lockdown New York. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. President Trump wants you to shoot Lysol directly into your veins. This, according to the mainstream media, which took a comment that Trump made in a press briefing last week and has made it the biggest headline in all the world. Here is President Trump telling you to inject poison. Disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it'd be interesting to check that so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds, it sounds interesting to me. So we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute, that's, uh, that's pretty powerful. Okay, this is a classic Trump comment. It is a throwaway. If the mainstream media were not so corrupt, nobody would have even thought twice about this. What is the story? President Trump says, we now know that household disinfectants kill the coronavirus within minutes. Uh, you know, you spray it on the counter, and if the virus is there, it'll kill it within minutes. And we know that uh, UV light might uh, also kill the coronavirus, you know, sunshine and that sort of thing. That's the actual story. Then President Trump goes on to riff and he says, so it'd be amazing if some way you could get the sanitizer or the light and use it inside the body. And wouldn't that be amazing? I don't know, the doctors, all those guys, they'll do the research, but I'm just saying it'd be pretty interesting, right? Classic President Trump optimism. We've got some hope over here that this will kill the virus. So let's use it inside our body. Now, literally speaking, uh, probably we shouldn't put Lysol in our body, right? Okay. I, I don't think anybody is watching that clip and saying, honey, get me the Lysol so I can shoot it up into my veins. But it's President Trump speaking loosely, perhaps a little too loosely. And uh, nobody should be taking this as immediate medical advice, but the media, they saw something and they jump on it. So all of a sudden Trump and Lysol are, are the top trend on Twitter. And the Lysol company is saying, don't inject our product. By the way, Trump never used the word Lysol. That was just a media creation because it would appear that he suggested using sanitizer, household cleaner and sanitizer inside the body. The next day, President Trump decided to clarify his remark and he insisted that in the original comment, he was merely being sarcastic. Can you clarify your comments about injections of disinfectant? They're, they're quite no, provocative. No, I was asking a question sarcastically to reporters like you just to see what would happen. Now, disinfectant for doing this maybe on the hands would work. Now, this again is a classic Trump response, right? Which is don't explain yourself to these reporters. Just go and attack the reporter. So he goes, no, I was being sarcastic to reporters like you, you jerks. It's your fault. Sure, the media ran with the story. Was President Trump being sarcastic in the first answer? No, I don't think so. I think he was being flippant. He was being optimistic. He was being a little loose with his words, but I don't think he was being sarcastic. Okay. What was it? It was a comment that he didn't articulate that well. 
who cares? Who cares, right? It's, is anybody shooting Lysol into their bodies? No. Is President Trump doing a good job on this coronavirus thing? Yes. Have other people been much less responsible on this coronavirus thing? Yes. Move on. Okay. Also, beyond the mere fact that no one wants you to inject Lysol into your body, the, the one thing I'll say in the president's defense here is we do regularly use poisons as medical treatments, right? The key example of this would be chemotherapy. We inject poison into people's bodies to kill certain cells because they'll, it will kill the cancer cells that are rapidly dividing. So again, nobody's saying shoot up Lysol. However, it's not completely outlandish to use poisons inside the body or to have some application of something that would otherwise be poisonous to, uh, to treat a disease. Dr. Burks, for her point, Dr. Scarf, has decided to defend President Trump. I've been privileged to do media all over the world. Um, people may not have seen me before because it's been primarily in <laughs> South Africa and Asia because I've been working on vaccines and therapeutics and pandemics around the globe for a number of years. Um, I, I think the media is... Um, very slicey and dicey about how they put sentences together in order to create headlines. I think, you know, Amer we know from millennials and other studies that some people may only read the headlines. Um, and if there's not a graphic, they're not going to look any further than that. And I think we have to be responsible about our headlines. I think often the, the reporting may be accurate in paragraph three, four, and five, but I'm not sure how many people actually get to paragraph three, four, and five. And I think the responsibility that the press has is to really ensure that the headlines reflect the science and data that is in their piece itself. I think that's right. I think what she's saying here is in context, Trump looks pretty good. And then out of context, you can take one line and make the administration response to coronavirus look crazy, which is what the left is want, wanting to do the whole time. So the left, they focus on this one narrow thing. And then their narrative is that Donald Trump is completely insane and terrible and crazy. In so doing, the left is sanitizing their own narrative on some of the exact same points, right? Because at the same time that the left is making fun of Trump for apparently suggesting putting a disinfectant inside your body and injecting people with that, at the very same time, the left is saying it's a wonderful idea to inject children with hormones to block their puberty and make little boys look more like little girls. Consider that fact. Obviously, you never hear these two stories at the same time, but the exact same left, the exact same media that is saying how crazy it would be to inject Lysol, which it would be, is defending injecting little children with hormones to turn little boys into looking more like little girls, which is also completely insane and frankly, a whole lot more insane than the Lysol stuff. We'll get to more on that in just a moment because the, the entire time, the, I think the defining feature of these news cycles is the left is using right-wing stories to try to sanitize their own far more egregious narrative. We'll get to that in a second. First, I've got to thank a new sponsor our friends over at Rad Power Bikes, which is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Rad Power Bikes, especially when you are holed up at home and you got you to gotta head out to the store because you've run out of things. You got to keep busy. You got to keep entertained. Whether you want a new way to commute or you want a new way to get around the city or to get around out in nature, even with the kids in tow, you have got to try Rad Power Bikes. This thing is unreal. It is a cross between a traditional bike, bicycle that you pedal, and a moped. 
but it does not require a special driver's license like a moped would. You can go up to 20 miles an hour without pedaling. So you can get out and about without getting sweaty. They are great for commuting. They're great for getting out on the trail, hauling groceries these days, or even transporting your kids on the back. And unlike other e-bikes, they are actually affordable. Plus, to show appreciation for those that serve us, Rad Power Bikes is offering $100 off all e-bike purchases for active ex-military, first responders, teachers, and students. That's a lot of people. You know someone who loves being active outdoors? Tell them about Rad Power Bikes. They offer flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. Right now for a limited time offer, get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike. So you get a free gift of up to 100 bucks in value and free shipping to the lower 48 states. To get this offer, text the word Knowles to 64,000. Do that right now. Text Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to 64,000. That is Knowles to 64,000 to get that special offer. It is very, very cool. This is what the left is doing. They are focusing on some comment out of context to sanitize their own narrative. Okay, the left has been wrong on coronavirus from the beginning. Forget, forget for a moment about the Lysol and their own hypocrisy on, on poisonous injections. They've been wrong on coronavirus from the beginning. Don't forget, initially they criticized Trump for overreacting with his China travel ban. Then when the story changed, they started criticizing Trump for underreacting. And now, I kid you not, they are trying to argue both at the same time. So Nancy Pelosi, leader of the Democratic Party, Speaker of the House, while she is pushing the No Ban Act, while she is pushing against President Trump's travel restrictions, she is arguing on CNN that Trump's travel restrictions did not go far enough. Vice President Joe Biden's campaign told me earlier this month uh, that he supported President Trump's partial travel restrictions uh, on January 31st, blocking foreign nationals from China from coming to the United States. D do you agree that it was the right move by President Trump at the time? Well, let, let's go into the future, okay? Uh, the, actually, tens of thousands of people were still allowed in from China. So it, it, it wasn't as it is described as this great moment. There were Americans coming back or green card holders coming back, but there were tens of thousands. So if you're going to shut the door because you have a, an evaluation of, of an epidemic, then shut the door. What? So now Nancy Pelosi, who's been saying we need to keep all the travel open, is saying that not only should we shut down travel from Chinese nationals, but we should actually strand Americans in China obviously something she was not saying at the time. At the very same moment that, pre that President Trump shut down this travel from China, Nancy Pelosi was pushing something called the No Ban Act. She placed it on the calendar as recently as March 5th for the House to take up. Forget end of January, forget early February, forget late February, March 5th. She criticized at that time President Trump's travel ban. Now she thinks that she, we should have stranded American citizens and green card holders in China amid an epidemic, all but ensuring if they're in the city of Wuhan that they're going to get the Wu flu. Beyond Nancy Pelosi, the person most clearly flipping on this subject is Joe Biden. And you saw Joe Biden initially said Donald Trump is being xenophobic. It's not now is not the time for his xenophobia and his racism. We should not be closing down the, the virtual border with China. Then all of a sudden he said it was the right thing to do and nobody's paying attention to Joe Biden anyway because Joe Biden is sitting on an armchair 
in his living room, watching television, babbling incoherently to himself. That is not even the biggest flip-flop that Joe Biden has had in recent weeks on the coronavirus. The biggest flip-flop for Biden and for the Democrats has been the Me Too movement. The biggest attempt to sanitize their own narrative has been on sexual assault and Me Too. So you remember a few weeks ago, we played this accusation that has been made by a former Biden staffer against Joe Biden. There's new evidence out today to change that story, but here's the original accusation in case you forgot. I was wearing a blouse and he just had me up against the wall and the wall was cold. And I remember he, it happened all at once. The gym bag, I don't know where it went. I handed it to him, it was gone. And then his hands were on me and underneath my clothes. And um, yeah, and then he went, oh, he went down my skirt, but then up inside it. And he uh, penetrated me with his fingers, whatever. And um, I, uh, he was kissing me at the same time and he was saying something to me. He said several things and I can't remember everything he said. I remember a couple of things. I remember him saying first, before, like as he was doing it, do you want to go somewhere else? And then him saying to me, when I pulled away, he um, got finished doing what he was doing and I kind of was pulled back and he said, he said, come on, man, I heard you liked me. Come on, man. I thought you liked me. Sure does sound like Joe Biden. You will remember when this accusation first came out a few weeks ago, I basically defended Joe Biden here because it sounds, it sounds a little too much like Joe Biden, frankly. And we looked into this woman's story, Tara Reid. We saw how the story has changed over the years. We saw how convenient it is that the story is coming out now that Biden is running for president, but it didn't come out the last time he ran or the time before that how initially she came out and said he was just sort of inappropriate with her, but then it came out and it was this actual sexual assault. So I, I don't want conservatives and Republicans to fall into the same trap and shallowness and hypocrisy that the Democrats did on Brett Kavanaugh. I want there to be due process. I want people to take a cold, hard look at the facts and not merely go with the politically convenient option here, right? Mind you, the allegation against Joe Biden is by definition much more credible than the allegation against Brett Kavanaugh because the allegation against Joe Biden is coming from a Ford, former Biden staffer. Whereas in the case of Kavanaugh, when it comes to Christine Blasey Ford or certainly Julie Swetnick, there's no evidence these people ever knew Kavanaugh at all. There's the, even Christine Blasey Ford, who was the star sexual assault witness for the Democrats, couldn't remember where the party took place, when the party took place, how many people were at the party. Her own close friend who was at the party said it didn't happen. It was decades and decades ago. Nobody ever heard anything about it. There were so many inconsistencies in her story. This, this, this allegation against Joe Biden, far more credible. And yet I still would say on the evidence we had a few weeks ago, not the death knell in his, his coffin, you know, not the uh, end of his campaign. However, there is new information out there. And it's one of the most bizarre pieces of evidence you could possibly imagine to back up this woman's claims. We'll get to that in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Legacy Box. You know how difficult it is to shop for mom. Very hard, right? What are you gonna, what are you gonna get your mother? Well, she's always gonna love pictures of you, isn't she? And that's a pretty good gift. 
Legacy Box is the way to do it. Legacy Box is a super simple mail-in service to have all of your home movies and pictures digitally preserved on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. Don't let those priceless family memories disappear because that's what happens, okay? And look, they're going to be family members. Maybe they're not with you anymore. A wonderful way that I have found to preserve those memories is to use Legacy Box. I love this thing. I swear by Legacy Box. Here's an idea. Mother's Day is approaching. What are you going to get her? How about you get her memories that will never get dusty or fade away? They help bring new life to old media by unlocking those trapped family memories and putting them in a modern digital format that is easy to use. I, I love it. I totally trust this service. For a limited time, Legacy Box is running 50% off Mother's Day special. Order your Legacy Box to take advantage of this incredible offer. This is one of the best discounts they have ever offered. 50% off. Legacy Box is perfect for you or for someone you love. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, and save 50% while supplies last. I try to be very fair, even to Democrats who are accused, even when it's politically advantageous. This woman makes this allegation. Well, we need some evidence. She gave us evidence in the form of a clip on Larry King's old television show. So very odd. There is a clip of a woman calling into Larry King's old CNN show in 1993, in August of 1993, saying that her daughter just had this incident with a senior member of the Senate and was sort of pushed out because of it, and she doesn't know how to respond. The phone call came in from San Luis Obispo, which is the town that Tara Reid's mother was living in at the time. It came in within days of her departure from the Biden Senate staff. Here's the phone call. We're back, a couple more phone calls on this very important topic. Our guests are former United States Senator Howard Baker, Richard Allen, former National Security Advisor, and Lois Romano, of the Washington Post. San Luis Obispo, California. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering what um, a, a, a staffer uh, would do, do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. Well, now, but these are the people who do come to the Lois Romanos, right? The mm -hmm. staff worker who says, I want to let you know about what's going this on, either going with my boss or troubled. the guy down the hall. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people have a sense of obligation. They feel that this public official should be accountable if it's something wrong. They're whistleblowers to the press. Exactly. This is a very interesting piece of evidence. Because nowhere in there does she say, my name is Mrs. Reed. Nowhere in there does she say, the senator is Joe Biden. We don't know that it's this woman's mother, though Tara Reed has come out and said, this is my mother on the recording. And the timing matches up and the location matches up. Where they found this, I have no idea. Where they found this Larry King clip. I have a few hunches, and we'll get to that in a second. But I don't know for sure. Still, we should not fall into the... Brett Kavanaugh Democrat hack trap of saying Joe Biden is definitely guilty. What we should do, very simple, hold the Democrats to their own standards. You know, if the left didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. We should hold them to their own standards. We should see them hoisted by their own petard. They say believe all women, but they don't believe all women. They don't believe the women staff members of their own senior officials of their own Democratic presidential nominee. They won't take this seriously. 
a lot more evidence here than they ever had against Republicans and they still won't take it seriously. So we should demand that this woman gets a fair hearing in the same way that Christine Blasey Ford got a fair hearing. In the same way that Julie Swetnick, for goodness sakes, who wasn't credible at all, got a fair hearing. And Joe Biden should get a fairer hearing than, than Brett Kavanaugh had. It's probably not going to go very well for him. Where did this clip come from? Some people are saying it came from the right, came from conservatives, came from the Trump team to try to damage their candidate. I'm not so sure about that. Why would the Trump team, why would the conservatives release this kind of footage right now? If they were sitting on this kind of oppo research, why would they wait to release it right now when they could wait another four or five months and release it just before the general election when it's too late after the DNC, when Joe Biden's already wrapped up the nomination and then it's too late to throw him overboard. Why wouldn't they wait? Seems to me much more likely that this evidence, this allegation is coming from the left because they know that Joe Biden is too weak to beat Trump in November. Look, right now we've got something like 20% unemployment. President Trump should be losing by triple digits. <laughs> it should be like zero to 100 against the Democratic candidate. And yet he's not. His approval ratings are doing just fine because Joe Biden, while he's taking his little breather at home, is decaying. He's getting even worse sitting in his own living room. He doesn't seem up to the job. He can't remember his own name. And Democrats are freaking out. I felt they were freaking out even during the impeachment hearings. That was what Senator Cruz, when we were doing our show verdict, said. He thought that the Democrats lost confidence in Joe Biden. And that's why they were willing to allow certain allegations against Hunter Biden to come out. They were willing to throw Joe over the bus. I think that's clearer now. There is still time for the Democrats to replace Joe at the top of their ticket. And so I think they are the ones using as much uh, ammunition as they possibly can to get him out of there and have him replaced by a better candidate. Uh, if it were the conservatives doing it, I think they would have waited on this until a little later. I think it would have been the Access Hollywood tape, right, for President Trump, where they're, they're holding this, this great piece of dirt on him, and they're going to release it at the very end of the campaign, of the general election campaign. Because the evidence that Joe Biden is not up to the task is all around us now. Even while he's filming from his living room, he can't speak. He can't be trusted to articulate his own campaign pitch. So he's having his wife do it for him. And he's standing there grinning like a very confused man. And together, we're just getting started. This moment reminds us that the presidency is about true leadership, having the forethought to prepare for the worst, the backbone to lead through chaos, the character to move beyond politics and serve every American, no matter where they live or what they believe. Only one candidate in this election has all three. My husband, our next president of the United States, Joe Biden. The only man who can do this is my husband, Joe Biden. Then you see Joe standing next to her. He goes, Joe, who's that guy? Oh gosh, I want to meet him. He sounds, oh wait, he's me. Okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, 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 it's, you know, the thing, you know, you know, the thing. He looks so confused. He looks so weak standing there next to her. Well, and he's, he's sort of kind of vacant and just vaguely smiling. And then she says, Joe Biden. And he kind of smiles a little more. And uh, uh, uh. 
Well, if you're the man to do it, then you need to be able to speak. You need to be able to lead. You can't hide behind your consultants who are doing your social media and your wife who is speaking for you on camera and everybody else while you cower in your living room. It's not a good look. It's not inspiring confidence. And right now, Joe Biden doesn't need to inspire confidence among me. <laughs> Certainly, I'm not going to vote for him. He's not going to, he doesn't need to inspire confidence even among the middle yet or the independents. He's got to inspire confidence among Democrats who still haven't nominated him. I know we're pretending like he's already got the nomination. There will be a convention at which he accepts the nomination. And if something happens before then where Biden just doesn't have the stamina to get it, somebody else is going to step in. And I suspect in the upper echelons of the smoke-filled rooms of the Democratic Party, there are a lot of discussions going on, not, not because it's likely or probable that Joe is going to be replaced, but because it's certainly plausible at this moment, and it would probably help them out, and I'm sure there are contingency plans being made, and I'm sure that North Korea wishes they made some contingency plans if their dear leader fell apart, because Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, uh, has not been seen for weeks, and there's a lot of speculation that he's dead, and we don't know if he's dead or not, and I would certainly like to hear your opinion on it, uh, because we really don't know. Uh, obviously, his not being present for key military functions, for major ceremonies, for the anniversary of the North and South Korean leaders meeting at the DMZ. I mean, that's pretty weird that he didn't show up for that. So he's obviously in some strange health state right now, and he might be dead, but he might not be dead, because the fact that there are no particularly strange goings on among the, the North Korean government right now, according to Japanese and South Korean media, suggests maybe he's not totally dead yet. They, they probably would move to seize power quickly if he were totally dead. So anyway, we're just in the midst of uncertainty there. So much uncertainty today in, in the world with coronavirus and everything else. That's not the point. I don't really care if Kim Jong-un is alive or dead. Uh, I, I, North Korea is going to be a disaster regardless. My point is the left's reaction to the possibility of Kim Jong-un's death. Because if Kim Jong-un dies, then his sister is reportedly going to take over for him. And his sister is one of the scariest people you've ever seen. You remember at the Olympics a few years ago, she came out. That was her big uh, reveal to the world. And this woman looks like, like the devil. You know, she just looks like the coldest ice queen psycho, like, I guess like the rest of her family, but she's just the female iteration of that. And the leftist media fawned over her. This woman who is keeping millions of people in prison in North Korea, this woman who has people executed, this woman who lies on behalf of one of the worst regimes in the history of the world, because she is a woman and because the left is so enthralled to identity politics, they celebrated her and they got roundly mocked at the time. Well, guess what? They're doing it again. Seth Abramson, an actual prominent leftist journalist with a blue check mark who writes for Newsweek, tweets this out, quote, still processing the possibility that North Korea will have its first woman leader before the United States. They're just, they're so woke. Do you know North Korea has actually had three Asian leaders before America has even had one? Hashtag woke, hashtag progress, hashtag North Korea. The left is so enthralled of its identity politics ideology that they think that North Korea is a symbol of progress and emancipation and women's liberation. 
It is a national prison camp. And yet they would have us be more like North Korea. And actually there's a lot of logic to this because North Korea is a country, it's a nation founded on an ideology. It's one of the few communist countries left on earth. And the left has always been very empathetic, sympathetic toward communism, toward founding governments on ideology. So it's really no surprise to me that they would have some ideological uh, connection here. We'll, we'll take a look at the end of the show to see what this means for uh, international politics moving forward. But the left has been defending communist regimes for a very long time. They did it for the Soviet Union. They did it for China. They still do it for China. And they're doing it even for North Korea, which is cartoonishly villainous. And they should be roundly mocked for this because if anything, (laughs) the fact that North Korea has a female leader is an argument against female leaders, not an argument for North Korea. (laughs) Okay. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's an, it actually is an argument against female leaders, but if North Korea is doing something, your first reaction should not be, wow, look how, look how great that thing that North Korea is doing. It should have you question it because North Korea is, is doing it itself. And yet the left can't do that because they're so enthralled to this idea that anybody, uh, any woman in the world would be a better president or vice president or leader than a man. You see this with the Joe Biden campaign saying, I will pick a woman vice president. Okay. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad idea to have a woman vice president, but don't you think you should pick the most qualified person for the job? No, the left has totally divorced that practical association between the person and the job, between (laughs) their governing strategy and reality. It is all ideology all the time. It's all the narrative and they are sanitizing their own. We will get to maybe the most absurd hypocrisy on this kind of woke identity politics ideology. Then we will get to CNN, which came out with the most embarrassing article I have ever seen. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. But first, I've got to thank you. I've got to thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed yet already to The Daily Wire, join now. Now is the time to do it. You get a lot of great stuff, right? You get all the shows and you get to ask questions and you get to do the all access, right? Whatever. You get this. You get the leftist tears tumbler. You need this now more than ever, especially if the supreme leader of North Korea dies. Oh, if Kim Jong-un's gone, it's going to be filled up with tears among the American media. So you get the one, right? What if I told you? You get two. What if I told you? You get to double up. Technically, precisely, two times as good as the first offer. If you become an Insider Plus or All Access member right now, you can double your tiers with two leftist tiers tumblers. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. You want me to sweeten the pot? You get 10% off too with coupon code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is dailywire.com slash subscribe, coupon code Knowles. You get the rarest of all beverage vessels times two. We're we're actually doing this. The reason we're very interested, we're launching these all access shows is because I know that being trapped in your home is unpleasant. Nobody likes doing it. Uh, it's a difficult time. So now would be the time to do it. Join on in, hang out with us over here at The Daily Wire. Head on over to the website. We'll be right back with a lot more. Speaking of the inconsistencies of ideology, speaking of political correctness, There is a show about drag queens. I can't say I've watched it. And uh, Jeff Goldblum was on it. So there was this one drag queen contestant who came out there wearing a hijab, you know, sort of Muslim head covering with the American flag stars on it. 
And this is very strange, right? Because traditionally the Muslim religion is not exactly open to say Western liberalism or drag queens or homosexuality or, right, uh, or celebrating women's liberation as we here understand it in the West. So there seems to be a little bit of an inconsistency here. Jeff Goldblum, who's guest hosting there, comes out and asks this question. He's being absolutely eviscerated for it as being so politically incorrect. Here's his question. Are you religious, may I ask? I'm not. And to be honest, this outfit really represents the importance that visibility for people of religious minorities need to have in this country. Isn't this an interesting wrinkle, though? Is there something in that religion that is anti-homosexuality uh, and anti-woman? Does that complicate the issue? I'm just raising it no, and thinking out loud and maybe being stupid, but no, no, what I do think you think? No, look, maybe I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I know it's so crazy and I'm just such an idiot for even raising this obvious question, but you know, aren't uh, transvestites sort of frowned upon in the Islamic faith, which is obviously true, uh, but you're not allowed to raise that question in the West, in this leftist intersectional culture. So Jeff Goldblum, he has to couch it in all of these various ways. And yet the question is obviously true. And it, it, people have wondered this for a while. They say, wait a second. How is it that Linda Sarsour and Gloria Steinem can hold hands at the Women's March against Donald Trump, right? These people don't exactly agree on everything. People who are Islamists, people who agree in a fundamental kind of Islamic worldview and Sharia law, they tend not to exactly get along with feminists, right? They have opposing understandings of the world, opposing ideologies, opposing goals. The reason that you can have Islamic fundamentalists on the same side as homosexuals and transvestites on the same side as feminists. Even just focus on those latter two categories there. You've got the transgender movement and the LG movement, the gay and lesbian movement on the same side. And yet the premise of transgenderism totally undercuts the argument for homosexuality, right? Homosexuality is based on the idea that sex actually is innate. You're born this way. And homosexuality is when Boys are attracted to boys and girls are attracted to girls. But transgenderism says boys can actually be girls and sex is just a social construct anyway. Those two things can't go together and yet they ally in this kind of left-wing LGBT movement and more broadly a movement that includes Islamic fundamentalists like uh, Linda Sarsour and second wave feminists like Gloria Steinem who also clearly would disagree ideologically with transgenderism. It's just this hodgepodge of ideas that don't work together and yet they all ally. Why? Because they have a common enemy, which is the conservative tradition, right? They might not all agree together, but they have this common foe, which is our own cultural inheritance, our own tradition here in the West, which is religious and cultural and political. And they want to tear that down. So they ally with one another. You know, conservatives do this in a way too. Conservatives uh, ally, we'll have the libertarians ally with the traditionalists and with the religious right and with the free speechers and right, all these people who might not totally agree on everything, but they have a common enemy, which is woke leftism. Those are not coherent alliances, except they have the common foe. And that is what is really uniting the left right now. So they don't have to make sense of what they're doing. They don't, it, it's fine if their narrative is totally incoherent. It's fine if they go after 
Brett Kavanaugh and say they believe all women when it's convenient for them uh, to attack Republicans, but they won't do it when the accusers are going after Democratic candidates for president. We should not expect coherence from them. They're not going to do it. We have to deal with them on their own terms. Jeff Goldblum is raising this question. Uh, I mean, fine, fine to point out the hypocrisy, but that's not the point. The point is not what they all stand for. It's what they stand against. That's why the conclusion of Nancy Pelosi, one day is going to be that Trump shut down travel too fast. The next day it's going to be he didn't shut down travel enough. Doesn't matter because the goal for them is orange man bad. The goal for them broadly and on a longer, longer timeline is undermine the conservative American tradition that we all know, undermine the traditional institutions that we all cherish. That's what they're going for. And if it doesn't make sense in the details, they never intended it to in the first place. Speaking of things that don't make sense in the details or more broadly, I saw the most embarrassing thing I've ever read on CNN just yesterday. This is a letter written by uh, the chief CNN environmental correspondent, Bill Weir. He writes, to my son, born in the time of coronavirus and climate change, my dearest river, he's writing from Brooklyn, of course, against all odds, you were conceived in a lighthouse, born during a pandemic, and will taste just enough of life as we knew it, all caps, to resent us when it's gone. I'm sorry. Actually, you know what? I can, I can go on. Maybe I'll touch on a few more parts, but Bill actually read it for himself as a CNN segment. Let's listen to him in his own words. My dearest river, you were conceived in a lighthouse born into a pandemic and will taste just enough of life as we know it to resent us when it's gone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we broke your sea and your sky and that your mother was forced to give you your first kiss through a P100 mask that smelled like smoke. But my boy, we were warned. Scientists told us if we weren't careful, we would unleash an invisible enemy out of the jungles and into our lungs. But we kept cutting down the jungles to devour everything inside. And when we realized those scientists were right, scared people emptied store shelves even faster than the jungles. And all the invisible enemy masks were gone just in time for your birth. Okay, hold up. So here the first absurdity is that this guy is blaming pollution for coronavirus right? He's blaming the environmental destruction and global warming for coronavirus. But we know that pollution didn't cause coronavirus. Coronavirus was caused by some combination of bat soup and the Wuhan Institute of Virology and a Chinese cover-up. We know that for sure. We know that it was not caused by plastic straws. And yet he's using that. He's trying to blame pollution because pollution is a stand-in for sin broadly in the religion of environmentalism. And that is a false religion, and that's why it's giving a false explanation of the virus. He goes on. I was about to gulp and pay a soulless profiteer 600 bucks for a 50 cent mask when I remembered the one I used to protect my lungs from a fiery place called California. I keep it next to my hurricane waiters and my bulletproof vest with a patch that says press. And if I have to pack them and kiss you goodbye more often than you'd like, I'm sorry, but we were warned. Warned about what? Now he's bringing up forest fires, as if forest fires are not naturally occurring. Forest fires do occur. Actually, the reason that we now have more forests in North America than we did before 
European exploration is because now we are much better at managing forest fires than we were before the Europeans got here, back when it was still Native Americans who would burn down whole forests far less, uh, in a far less controlled manner than the European settlers uh, would do. Also, fires in California, including in my own neighborhoods, are usually caused by homeless camps. They've caused many of the fires in California, and something tells me that CNN and the left don't particularly want to do anything about that. But the one thing I can tell you is that climate change broadly is not the proximate cause of forest fires, all right? They've existed a long time. Also, this guy is a journalist, not a fireman. If it requires me to go out there and leave you more more often than I'd like. That's just what I have to do. No, you don't have to do it. You're not helping anybody. You're spreading lies on CNN. You could get a much more noble job, namely any job. So if you want to stay home with your kids, stay home with your kid. That's fine. Oh my gosh. These guys, they just, the CNN in particular, but all of these guys, these leftist journalists always want to make themselves the story. Chris Cuomo the other day spent much of his show just talking about himself as he always does. They're not that special. They're not that important. The only thing they're doing is spreading lies anyway. So get another job if you don't like it. Then he tells us about how the scientists warned us. Scientists told us if we weren't careful, we would unleash a different kind of invisible enemy out of our factories and farms and homes and cars, and it would get into the sea and the sky and change life as we know it. But that was a story too few wanted to believe until now. Yeah, we didn't believe, well, not until now. We didn't believe it then and we don't believe it now because the models kept not being true, right? Nothing about coronavirus has changed that. If anything, the coronavirus has made us even more skeptical of models because those models weren't true either. (laughs) Coronavirus now has made us skeptical of epidemiology as well as climatology. Two of the fakest sciences that exist two of the least reliable, I should say, sciences that exist, if you can call them sciences at all, right? Because in in the case of the coronavirus, a completely different set of scientists got those models wrong. If anything, all of this has taught us to be uh, much more wary of the prophecies of our secular priests who are the exalted experts. Then he gets to a point that is mildly interesting because it's within something he knows about, and that is how we tell stories. So your first lesson will be that we are human and humans are made of stories. And the great thing about stories is that they are always under revision. You were conceived in a lighthouse. Okay, how many times is this guy going to tell us that he boinked his wife in a lighthouse? You don't need to tell us that fact. I get that he's bragging or something. That's fine. But you don't need to make that the leitmotif of the entire story. You're supposed to be talking about environmentalism. So talk about that. Now, I've just got this image of the CNN guy getting busy in a lighthouse. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have interrupted. He goes on. So we will raise you with the soul of a lighthouse keeper, dependable, vigilant, with a reverence for the power of nature and a commitment to save as much life as possible. What does that mean? What? Because this guy got weird and frisky with his wife in a lighthouse, we're going to raise you with the soul of the lighthouse keeper and you keep the light. And this is, if you're talking about telling good stories, this is not a great way to tell a story. This is like weak sauce from a freshman high school English class. Okay. I don't, I guess that's enough to qualify you for CNN. He's not much, much like all the other leftist narratives here. This one, it's not holding up. It's not making a whole lot of sense. And yet he goes on to extol the virtues of better stories. And I'll try to teach you how to write a better story. 
don't hold your breath, kid, because I don't think daddy is going to be able to teach you a whole lot about creative writing. Then he, he does finally get to the point. This is the last point that he makes, and it's the only one that really teaches us something. He gets to a point about ideology. One that reminds everyone that every day is Earth Day. There it is. There is the mark of the ideologue. No matter what he's talking about, no matter where it comes from, every question always comes back to his narrow, abstracted, rationalistic idea. In this case, the idea of Earth Day. Every day is Earth Day. The coronavirus just shows us that we need to stop polluting. How? It doesn't show it. He's never made the argument for that. And of course, he couldn't make the argument for that because the coronavirus didn't come from straws going in the nose of sea turtles. It came from Wuhan and a Chinese cover-up and very likely a laboratory. That is the mark of the ideologue. It always keeps coming back to those issues. And you see it, 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 it actually is much more overwrought if you want to read the letter at CNN.com. He has, he has winning lines like, I'm sorry that the Great Barrier Reef is no longer great, that we value Amazon more than the Amazon. Bleh. Oh my gosh, what weak prose. But then he says, we kept cutting down the jungles and the prairies to pave and plow, develop and devour everything inside. As you get older, this will be hard to understand. But we were under the spell of Genesis 1.28 to take dominion over every living thing. There is the mark of the ideology, right? Ideology replaces traditional modes of thought and religions with the religion of ideas. And Everybody's got to serve somebody. Everybody's got to have a, a type of religion. The trouble is in modern life, most people who would say that they're atheistic or spiritual but not religious or whatever euphemism you want to use, they are in the thrall of religions of ideas. In this case, he's in thrall of the religion of environmentalism. He, first of all, he completely misunderstands Genesis, which says that we have dominion over the land and the sea. We are to be stewards of that. He misunderstands that. And he's saying explicitly, we need to replace Christianity with this new religion of environmentalism, the religion of Earth Day. I make this point every time it comes up. People still don't believe me. Environmentalism, leftism more broadly as an ideology, is a substitute religion. It gives people every single answer that they want, but it's a false religion uh, founded on a false anthropology, founded on a false understanding of human nature and nature itself, the, the nature of our environment. And because of that, it gets everything wrong. Here, laughably, it gets wrong, the coronavirus, but it gets so much else wrong as well. Speaking of leftists, before we go, getting human nature wrong, you remember New York City shuts down, they let a ton of people out of prison right? They're letting so many inmates out of prison. Actually, just outside the city, north in New York, they let a bunch of child rapists out of prison. They thought that was a good idea. Even in New York, they're letting a lot of violent criminals out. Their idea, their misunderstanding of human nature is that if you let these people out during the coronavirus, they'll be really well behaved and they'll be just, they'll be grateful and they'll be responsible. And that's a good thing, right? Now, for people who have a, a little more clear-eyed understanding of human nature, we say, mm, you know, the thing to do in a pandemic the thing to do first, probably not let a bunch of criminals out onto the street, right? Because I think crime is going to spike. Well, guess what happened? Crime has spiked in New York. Over the last 28 days, in the middle of the lockdown, murders in New York are up 55% compared to this time last year. Over the week from April 13th to the 19th, murders increased 100% over that same week last year. And year to date, so going all the way back to January, murders are up 5.7%. Other crimes too, grand larceny auto, 
has increased 53% compared to last year. There have been 500 charges for auto theft there in the last 28 days, which is way up over 2019. Uh, Burglaries are up 20, 25% over the last 28 days, and they're up more than 36% over the last week. So the problem is getting a whole lot worse. An accused rapist who was released from Rikers Island, which New York wanted to, they were saying, we got to empty out Rikers Island. This guy, Robert Pondexter, uh, was arrested for allegedly raping a woman in Brooklyn just days after he was released because of the coronavirus. These are the real stories from the virus. These are the real stories that are not being covered in the media because the media just wants to talk to you about the Lysol comment. Because the media just wants to talk to you about how Trump, he overreacted or he underreacted or he cut off too many Chinese travelers or he didn't cut off enough Chinese travelers. They, they want to make this all about President Trump and attack him for, often for two different things, two opposite things at the same time because they have to sanitize their own narrative, a narrative which day by day on every single point is falling apart and leaving mayhem in its wake. All right. Now the, the way to do this is not to defend every single comment that the White House is making or to just, and say, actually they got this wrong and this, or even to, to argue that, you know, the Democrats have committed sexual assault like Joe Biden and the Me Too movement. The, the way to make that argument is just to take that light that we're all shining on the Trump stuff on the conservative side and just shine that light right back on the left because the misdeeds of the left, the collapse of the leftist narrative is far more egregious. All we have to do is shine that light on it. Maybe from the lighthouse in which that CNN writer got weird with his wife. I don't know. I don't know. But we have to shine a light on it in any case. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. It's the Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. Well, Donald Trump didn't say what the news media says he said, and Joe Biden might have done what the news media won't even talk about. The media is the matrix, and the left is living in it. Take the red pill on The Andrew Clavin Show.